Well, in the morning we are in First Peter, and in the evening now, having started a couple of weeks ago, we had our missionaries last Sunday night, we are in Second Peter. So if you have a Bible with you tonight, I would like you to turn to Second Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4. Second Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 and 4. So this will be our second message in the book of Second Peter. And if you remember two weeks ago as we started, I did an introduction and looked at the first two verses. And we saw that Peter in this second letter is very concerned about spiritual deception in the world. It's what I love about the Word of God. It is filled with great truth and it is extremely practical. There has been, there is, and there will be until the Lord returns great spiritual deception, false religions and false teaching in the world. Peter is coming to the near the end of his life. He is concerned about those to whom he is writing. And so he reminds them of truths. That's the first thing he does, or I, I should say one of two things he does in this letter. He reminds them of truths that he's already taught them because he wants them to know these truths, to have them embedded in their hearts and in their minds to safeguard them for the future. And as I shared with you two weeks ago, it is interesting in the Christian life that once you become a believer, and you learn many of the truths of Scripture, you spend a lot of your life relearning those same truths. And that is not only good, it is essential. You learn them and you relearn them and you relearn them. Now there may be some of you here tonight who are newer in the faith and you're learning them for the first time. That is wonderful. But what you will find too, as you continue to grow in Christ, is that you will learn and relearn them for your own safety and for your own protection. That's number one. Number two, Peter specifically addresses false teachers. He takes on the false teachers in this letter. He addresses them very, very specifically. And we will look at some, as we go along in this study, some pretty graphic passages and descriptions of what false teachers are and what they are like. Tonight, in verses 3 and 4, this is more of a reminder of some great truths. And in verses 3 and 4, 2 Peter chapter 1, Peter writes, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Well, our first point tonight is the all-sufficiency of Christ. In Jesus Christ, we have everything we need for the Christian life everything. Not most of it, not the majority of it. We have everything we need in him. When you invite Jesus Christ into your life, 
to be your Lord and Savior, if you can think back to that time in your life where you said, Jesus, come into my life. I repent of my sin and I receive you as Lord and Savior. From that time forward, you have everything that you need to live the Christian life. Peter's opening state, excuse me, opening statement in verse 3 is astounding. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. There is a companion verse to this verse, and it is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 8, where the Apostle Paul basically says the same thing. He says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Last semester in our Men's Bible Institute class, we're learning to be kingdom men. And we went over this verse. And we talked about the fact that as men, as men of God, we cannot make excuses for not living for Christ because he has given us everything we need. Oh yes, we need to grow in that. We need to grow in our understanding of that. We need to grow in what it means to live that out, but we have everything we need. It's not like God was stingy with his grace or stingy with his provision. It's not like God is holding out on us. No, we have everything. And I want you, I want to read that verse again, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And I want you to notice the alls and the every. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every in every good work so again you don't have part or most of God's grace you have it all and the power that operates in believers is of the same divine nature that resurrected Christ so when he says his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, he is talking about the divine power which resurrected Jesus Christ. Now, an interesting study for you, if you want to look at that more, is in Ephesians chapter 1. We looked at that at some length when, about a year ago, I guess it was, when I preached through the prayers of the Apostle Paul. Ephesians 1 is marvelous. It talks about the power that resides in us. The power that resides in you tonight is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Isn't that incredible? What an amazing gift God has given to us. And that power enables Christians to live in such a way that they please and glorify God. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. The Westminster Shorter Catechism. You exist on this earth for the glory of God. You exist to bring him glory and honor. That is your highest goal and your highest purpose you find your greatest joy, satisfaction, and thrill in the Christian life by seeking to bring glory to God 
in everything that you do. So God's supply of spiritual power for believers never fails. Now this is important because as Christians, we struggle. We struggle with our sins and we struggle with our failures. And sometimes we think there is something missing in our lives, something more that we need to acquire. I would say this is common, even among us as Baptists. It is common to think something's missing. I feel so defeated in my Christian life. I feel like a failure in my Christian life. I wonder if there's something out there that I don't have, something that I need to get that I, I don't yet have. I must be, if you've ever said this to yourself, I must be missing something. I don't seem to be living as victoriously as he does or as she does. And we see some preacher on television or read a book or go to a conference and think that there must be something more. I want to read an extended quote for you, very similar to what I did this morning. This one comes from John MacArthur, and I think he really addresses this well. It's not on the screen because of the length of it, but I would just like you to listen to it. He says, because of their constant sins and failures as Christians, many find it hard not to think that even after salvation, something is missing in their Christian life. Something is missing in the sanctification process. This faulty idea causes believers to seek second blessings, spirit baptisms, tongues, mystical experiences, special psychological insights, private revelations, self-crucifixion, the deeper life, heightened, emo heightened emotions, demon bindings, and combinations of various ones of all of those in attempt to attain what is supposedly missing from their spiritual resources. All manner of ignorance and scripture twisting accompanies those foolish pursuits, which at their corrupt roots are failures to understand exactly what Peter says here. Christians have received everything in the form of divine power necessary to equip them for sanctification. They have no lack at all. In view of that reality, the Lord holds all believers responsible to obey all the commands of Scripture. Christians cannot claim that their sins and failures are the result of God's limited provision. There is no temptation and no assault of Satan and demons that is beyond their resources to overcome. I think it's very important for us. Christians have received everything in the form of divine power necessary to equip them to live the Christian life, they do not lack anything. And I love that last sentence. There is no temptation and no assault of Satan and demons that is beyond your resources to overcome. His divine power, Christ's divine power, has granted to us all things, all things that pertain 
to life and godliness. Life and godliness here refer to the entire realm of sanctification. Sanctification, if you're not familiar with that word, is simply living out your Christian life. It is the process from the time you are saved until the time you die or until the time that Jesus returns. It is the whole realm of your earthly Christian life. And so what Peter is saying is that Jesus' divine power has granted to you all things that you need for life and godliness while you live on this earth. You can be. Be encouraged tonight. In Christ, you can be the man that God wants you to be. In Christ, you can be the woman that God wants you to be. You don't lack anything. You just need to continue to fall in love with your Savior and to learn as much as you can about him through his word. Will we experience this divine power through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence? His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us. This is not complicated. It simply means that you must know Jesus Christ in a personal and saving way. We learn and relearn and relearn that it's not enough to know about Jesus. We must know him personally. We must repent of our sin and receive him as Savior and Lord. And I say to you tonight, if there's never been a time like that in your life, that is what's missing in your life. Has there been a time in your life where you invited Jesus Christ to come into your life to be your Lord and Savior? That is salvation. Without him, you cannot live the Christian life. With him, you have everything. I say that to you, and this is a t subject that I touch on from time to time. Sometimes there are Christians or people who say they're Christians, but they're not sure of their own salvation. They don't know if there's ever been a time in their life where they've truly been born again. If there isn't in your life, you need to make sure of that. You need to go back to home plate, if you will, and make sure that you know him as Savior. That's where you get the divine power that grants us all things for life and godliness. So, to kind of put this together, it says that we have been given this divine power for life and godliness. We receive this through the knowledge of him who called us, and he called us to his own glory and excellence. He called us, saved us to live for his glory. The word excellence here is very interesting. It means to exalt Christ's excellence. It means to teach about, talk about, share about, think about how excellent Jesus is how wonderful he is, how amazing he is. It is to, if you will, it's like the word of God is this huge ocean 
telling us about Jesus, and you just dive in. You just dive in, and you take in all of him, drink in all of him that you possibly can. He has called us to himself. God has called us to himself for his own glory and excellence. He wants you to be a trophy of his grace, a witness of his grace, of how marvelous and excellent Jesus is. So we have divine power because we know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Well, that leads us to our second point tonight. Precious and great promises. This divine power constantly manifests itself in and through us as we immerse ourselves in God's precious and very great promises. Notice what he says in verse 4. By which, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. Do you know what that is? That's the word of God. The Bible you have in front of you tonight are the precious and very great promises of God. I love these kinds of phrases because it is one thing for me to say or you to say, you know, isn't the Bible precious? Aren't the truths of the word of God precious? And they are, but it is another thing when that's what the Holy Spirit writes through Peter. God himself says to me and says to all of us tonight, his word, his inerrant, infallible, fully authoritative word is filled with precious and very great promises. Now, what Peter says here could apply to the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation, and if you were to teach that, that would be accurate. But very specifically here in the context of what Peter is saying in this first chapter, it more specifically refers to the precious and great promises of our salvation in Christ. And Peter is saying to us, you have come to know him. Not just know about him. You know him. You know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There was a time in your life where you invited him into your life to be your Savior. And now, now, he has granted to you his precious and very great promises of salvation. It is our new resurrected life in Christ. We have been born of the Spirit of God. We have been born again, and we have new life. We have resurrection life living in us. What a great and precious promise. It is the promise of the indwelling and sealing of the Holy Spirit. Do you ever stop and think the Holy Spirit lives in you? The Holy Spirit lives inside you. I sometimes think we've lost the wonder, the amazement, 
how astounding that is that the Spirit of God has actually indwelt me once I was lost but now I've been found once I was dead but now I'm alive and the Holy Spirit has come to live in me and not only has he come to live in me but he has sealed me for the day of redemption talk about a promise of eternal security we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God and no one can take him away from you no one and nothing can take him away from you what a promise it is the promise of forgiveness that in Christ all my sins in my sins of the past my sins in the present my sins in the future are all forgiven and from a judicial punishment standpoint right now they're all forgiven even your future sins in Christ are all forgiven now there are times when we don't live as we should and we sin and in our relationship with God we ask for forgiveness we want relational forgiveness so there is nothing between me and my Savior nothing between my soul and the Savior but when it comes to the wrath of God the penalty of God in Christ all your sins are forgiven and were at the time you received Christ as Savior what a promise it is the promise of reconciliation to God once we are enemies of God now we are the children of God once we are in rebellion against God now we are God's messengers God's ambassadors once we were lost and without hope and now we have great hope great hope in Christ it is the promise of the fruit of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit lives in you indwells you you have the fruit of the Spirit the fruit of the Spirit isn't something that I go out there and try to get no it's there I simply live it out love joy peace patience kindness goodness gentleness those are the things I already have in Christ it's promised to me through the indwelling Holy Spirit I live out the fruit that is within me it is the promise of heaven the promise that when I die I have great great hope beyond the grave something that we pro proclaim and cherish every time we do a funeral service every time a brother or sister in Christ passes away goes home to be with the Lord and we say that they've gone home to be with the Lord and we say that based on the authority of Scripture what a promise when we die we will go to heaven it is the promise of eternal rewards that there are rewards for our faithfulness and loyalty to Christ on this earth not everyone will be rewarded exactly the same in heaven the way we live on this earth right now does matter when we die oh our salvation is secure and we cannot lose that but God wants us to be blessed and has rewards awaiting us in heaven well through these very precious and or excuse me through these precious and very great promises we have become partakers of the divine 
nature. Verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature. Wow. You who know Christ tonight, you have been You'll become partakers of the divine nature, of the divine nature of God. This does not refer to a future possibility, but to a present reality. This isn't something we get when we go to heaven someday. This is right now. We have the divine nature of God himself. Now, I need to quickly do some explanation here. Talk about false teaching. We think of mysticism, of the New Age movement. They talk about the divine spark that lives within every human being. They talk about the fact that every one of us is a god. And that's not what this is talking about at all. Every person doesn't have a divine spark in them. Every person does not become a god, obviously. But what does happen is when you come to know Christ as Savior, he implants within you his own life. Now, I have shared this with you before and will probably share it with you many times so there's no confusion. When we go to heaven, we will be perfect. We will be sinless. We will continue on as divine partakers of the divine nature, but we will never be God, okay? Even in heaven, even in our perfect state, we will have our limitations. We will be here and God will be here. We will never have all the qualities that define who God is. We will always be his creation. Yes, one day we will be perfect and sinless, but we will still be his creation. We will still have limitations, but in our limitations, we will be perfect and sinless. But even now, even now, here on earth, the life of God lives in us. God has given to you his divine nature. He has given this portion of his divine nature that makes you alive from the dead, that gives you new life, that gives you resurrection life, that gives you divine power. So the omnipotent, omniscient, all majestic, all-seeing God has given you life. From his vastness, he has given you his, or a portion of, would be better to say, a portion of his divine nature. So it means that right here, right now, we possess God's own eternal life. So believers are in this life partners, partners in the very life that belongs to God. Without it, we could not live. Without it, we would be condemned forever. Well, in the very last statement of this section, Peter turns from what we do have to what we don't have. Here's what we have. We have divine power that is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We have his very great, or, his very, or excuse me, his precious and very great promises. We have become partakers of the divine nature. Those are all the things, 
we have. You know what we don't have? We don't have to worry about hell. We do not have to worry about eternal condemnation. We have all these things, but what we don't have to ever worry about is hell. And I'm not simply saying, oh, great, I've got a free pass, I'm not going to hell. No. Because of his mercy and grace and kindness to us, I no longer have to worry about going to hell or being eternally condemned. The very last part of verse 4, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Having escaped. It's some place we used to be, but we escaped, we got away. We got away from the corruption. Corruption is an interesting word. It means something that is decaying and rotting to the core. It is a description of human life and spiritual life without Christ. Corruption. It is decaying and rotting to the very core and is destined for eternal damnation, having in Christ, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sin, because of sinful desire. Those who have eternal life in Christ have completely escaped from the eternal effects of sin. Those who have eternal life in Christ have completely escaped. We've gotten away, never to be recaptured again. We have escaped completely from the eternal effects of sin. At glorification, again, I throw out some of these words. I don't want them to be confusing to you. Glorification is the time in our lives when we either die and go to heaven or Jesus returns and we go to heaven. We speak in the Christian life of justification. That is our salvation when we're saved. We are justified, completely made righteous in the sight of God. Then there is sanctification. That is our life, living out the Christian life here on earth, growing in our understanding of Christ growing and maturing in the Christian faith, and then comes glorification, the day we go home and we are released from the very presence of sin itself to live in sinless paradise with Christ forever. So there is justification and sanctification and glorification. At glorification, Believers will be redeemed completely so that they possess the fullness of eternal life in perfect holiness in the new heaven and the new earth where no sin or corruption will ever exist. That's your destiny. On this earth, we live for a very short period of time maybe 80 years, 90 years, if we live a longer life. But what matters most is not how old we are when we die, but that when we die, we are promised that we will 
escape the corruption of this life, we have eternal life and we will be released from the presence of sin to live with Jesus forever and ever. That's what Peter says to us. Christian, Christian, I've told you this before, he's saying, but I want to remind you again that his divine power has granted to us all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness. This became yours through the knowledge of him who called us, who called us to live for his glory, to live to proclaim the excellence of Christ. And he has granted to us, to every single one of us, his precious and very great promises that through them you may become partakers, partakers of the divine nature. And know this, take heart, have courage. You have escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Let us long to know Jesus through his word. Let us long every day to know everything we can about Jesus through his word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Christ and all that we have in him. It is amazing that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. Oh Lord, help us to live that out, to know the depth and riches of it, so that we may be the men that you have called us to be and we may be the women that you have called us to be. For we ask this in Jesus' name.